Live for the times. It's important to know the times that you live in because they affect how you live. There's a, there's a group of people in the world that we have access to because of the internet and TV shows uh, who, who are convinced that civilization as we know it is about to end. That uh, whatever it is that's going to cause it, it might be nuclear fallout, it might be some sort of cataclysmic breakdown in communications, it might be zombies. Uh, whatever it is that you're preparing for, there is this group of people called preppers and, uh, and they are immortalised in that fantastic show. Anyone seen it? Doomsday Preppers. Who's seen Doomsday Preppers? Hands up if you, yeah, they were fantastic. All right, I know who to hang out with later. And, and these people, they, they are so convinced that doomsday is upon us that they spend hours and hours and dollars and dollars to prepare. They find these remote locations and they build bunkers and castles and they stock it full of years' worth of food because when the apocalypse happens, you know, it'd be every man for himself, right? And of course, because most of these shows are set in America, they are. They also have their kind of well, it's not really a smaller, a medium-sized arsenal, right, with every kind of weapon you could imagine. I saw one guy who had landmines planted throughout his property just to make sure that when the baddies came to took him on, he'd be ready for them. Now, we've got, we've got a word that we use for these kind of people, uh, nutters, right? That's what we think of. I mean, we, they're crazy. We, why are they spending all their time and all their money preparing? Well, uh, are they nutters? Are they crazy? I mean, the world seems to be going rather topsy-turvy, doesn't it? There's, there's the rise of China to influence the world and Russia. There's all sorts of wars happening all over the place. There's destabilisation happening. There's, I mean, let, let me put it this way, right? A man who is best known for hitting other people with fold-up chairs in a fake wrestling match is, as of January next year, going to be one of the most powerful men in the world. President Donald Trump, they'll call him. Now, we've got to know the times in order to know how we live. Now, the reality is that for most of us, those world events are kind of out there somewhere. You don't wake up each morning and think, oh, the war in Syria is getting bad. I'd better prepare for it. At most, our petrol prices might go up for 10 cents or down 10 cents. We don't wake up each morning and think to ourselves, the times are dire. I need to change how I live. And yet our passage today, Romans 13 and verse 11, begins, do this understanding the present time. We must know the times we live in if we are to live rightly as Christians. Do this. I mean, it goes all the way back to chapter 12 and verse 1 is where this section begins. I urge you, brothers, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. We are to live Christianly understanding the present time. Now, the picture in this passage is of a soldier. It's a a very strong image here. Uh, Roman. Who's seen Gladiator? The Russell Crowe movie? Sorry, there's a few movies today, a bit of TV. Eight o'clock, no one had seen it, so it didn't really work. But a great movie. It has one of the best opening scenes, I reckon, of pretty much any movie ever, where there's this epic battle between the Roman forces and the barbarians who are charging down the hill. And it's just, uh, it's a very, very cool start to it. But the picture here is of a Roman warrior a Roman soldier, and I want you to imagine it's the night before that battle. Tomorrow we face death. We are charged with protecting the emperor, with extending his empire. We will kill or be killed. 
And so the night before the battle, the soldier does what he does best and he goes and with his mates, they get together and they have a bit of a party. Probably a bit of alcohol involved. Maybe the older who can blow the highest on the breathalyzer challenge. Perhaps participating with the ladies of negotiable affection, if you know what I'm saying, right? And there's, there's this drunken orgy, carousing, sexual promiscuity. And the soldier then wanders drunkenly back to his billet, collapses, and all too soon the bugle blows. Dawn is coming. The battle will begin with the dawn. It is now time to throw off the clothing of the night. It is now time to throw off the drunkenness of the night behind and clothe yourself for battle. It is time to be ready. This passage comes as a wake-up call to us. It is the blast of the bugle saying, the dawn of redemption is at hand. And so throw off the sin and the sleep that entangles you and dress yourself in what is necessary for battle. We need to understand the present times. There are three instructions in this passage. Number one, wake up. Read it with me, chapter 13, verse 11. Do this, understanding the present time. What is the present time? Well, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. It's a preacher's favourite verse, this one. Because I constantly get to say throughout the sermon, wake up! And people go, oh, I wasn't sleeping, I was just resting my eyes. But that's the call, wake up! Slumber is over. We know about waking up. I almost feel like I don't have to teach you how to wake up, right? Most of us manage it most mornings. You, you kind of, right, it might take a little bit more coffee. Some of us require a bit of help to get going in the morning. But from babies, babies manage to do it. They wake up the nights for sleeping and, well, sometimes for waking up in the night as well. But then you kind of hit childhood and the sun's awake, so I'm awake, so it's time to play, right? That's kind of how life goes. And then you hit the teenage years and you kind of forget how to wake up during the teenage years, but you get it again soon enough. The night time is for doing night things. The night time is when you party and you go out and you do your carousing and then you sleep. And then morning comes and you wake up and you do day things. And notice the timing here. The hour has come for you to wake up from slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Our salvation is in the past. Jesus died two odd thousand years ago. He died for our sins then. It's in the past. We believed and trusted in him and entrusted ourselves to him in the past. But our salvation is also present. As Jesus' death continues for our sin, as we continue to entrust ourselves to him. And our salvation is also in the future. When Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, returns to glorify and to judge. When Jesus returns to evaluate his people and reward them and to judge those who aren't his and condemn them. Our salvation is coming and it is nearer now than it has been at any point in the history of the world. We are closer now to Jesus' return than ever. Literally. And so, wake up. 
Now, this, this idea that Jesus is returning and that we are getting closer and closer and closer to the salvation that we so hope for is what drives Christian living. It is what gives us our sense of urgency to cast off sin and to pursue evangelism. Think about it. If Jesus is coming back, and, and it's, it's going to be any moment, I mean, we're getting closer and closer and closer and closer, then the people who don't know about him must be told. The sin that is holding me back must be removed. The life that my Lord calls me to must be lived. Let me illustrate it. I want you to picture for a moment. Uh, let's, let's go with Wednesday. Wednesday this week. Okay, what have you got to do between now and Wednesday? What's in your calendar? You've got the rest of Sunday. I mean, maybe you'll, uh, I don't know, Sunday lunch with the family. Uh, maybe a snooze. Sunday afternoon is good for a snooze. Watch a movie perhaps tonight. What's, what, what TV is on Sunday nights? I don't even know what's on, right? Um, Biggest Loser or something. Some like that. I don't even know what's on, right? Watch some TV, hang out, go for a cycle, right? You can you know, Cheeky 50Ks, we can fit that in. Monday, what's going to happen Monday? What do you... Right, I've got a missionary meeting, a bunch of ministers are going to get together. A dinner at night, go to work, come home, do the Tuesday, same again, Wednesday. How would that change... If you knew for certain that Jesus would return at 9.30am on Wednesday, it would, would it change? If Jesus had written Matthew chapter 24, right, on the uh, 30th of December 2016, 9.30am I shall return, every eye shall see, every knee shall bow, right? We, I suspect it would change quite a lot what you're going to do between now and Wednesday. Sleep all of a sudden becomes a very small priority. I eat because I have to, but I've got a list this long of people who don't know about Jesus yet. I've got a list this long of things I'm praying for in my life to cut out sin. I've got a list this long of... gives us that sense of urgency. Do you have it? Do you have in your life that urgency, that utmost desire to pursue the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is coming back. I fear that most of us don't. Now, I've been pondering this week as to why. Why do we know? If the Lord of heaven and earth is returning to judge, why is there no urgency in our lives? And I've thought of two possibilities. Maybe you can help me think of more. Number one is this. It's been 2,000 years, and he hasn't come back yet. I mean, what are the odds that he's going to come back on Wednesday? I mean, what are the odds that he's going to come back Thursday, for that matter, or Friday, or a year from now? Or, I mean, it, it, it's really quite likely that he's not going to come back in my lifetime even. So there, there's no real urgency, right? Because I've got, I've got all of this time ahead of me. Is that, is that you? I mean, no, that, that's me. I... Even if Jesus doesn't return until I'm dead and you're dead, think what that means. It means that we've got 50, 60, 70 years, if we're lucky. And that's it. We only have 70 years in which to tell all of Ingleburn about the Lord Jesus Christ. We only have 70 years to cut out the sin from our lives, to pursue the holiness that our Lord demands. We only have 70 years. Even if Jesus doesn't come back to laugh from dead, we should still have that urgency. 
But this is where I fear the second reason also hurts. And that is that we are distracted by our wealth. It's like the child who's got shiny things. Oh, shiny. Oh, another shiny. Oh, another shiny. And it takes our eyes off the Lord Jesus and his return. When was the last time that you got up in the morning and you thought, Jesus is coming back and I need to be on about his work? It's been a while for me, to be honest. Instead, I wake up and I think, what's today's shiny going to be? What's today's distraction that I'm going to pursue? Is it going to be my comfort, my work, my job? I need more money. I need more toys. I need more experiences. Wake up, Christian. The dawn of redemption is at hand. Encyclopedia Britannica, which is an old-fashioned Google for those who are a bit younger, uh, one of its definitions of sleep is this. A state of inactivity with a loss of consciousness and a decrease in responsiveness to events taking place. A state of inactivity with a loss of consciousness and a decrease in responsiveness to events taking place. Now, that might describe you right now. I hope it doesn't. You've lost consciousness and you're not responding anymore to what's going on around you. But gee, I hope that doesn't describe us as Christians. Desensitised to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unconscious to it. It is not present in our minds with no responsiveness to that event that is to come. Wake up, Christian. And so as we wake up then, we are to throw off the things of the night. Paul continues, verse 12, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness. Let us behave decently, not in orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, not gratifying the desires of the sinful nature. How can we, who are at the cusp of the dawn of redemption, continue to pursue the things of the night? The soldier who, it's, it's five minutes till I've got to be in the battle and I'm still in my Homer boxes carrying my teddy bear. Right? It, just, it doesn't work. Prepare yourself for what is to come. Leave behind that which is of the night. That sin that entangles. And he has a list here of some of them, right? Verse 13, as we read that, orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, and you're probably sitting there thinking, well, that's just as well, that's not me. I left the orgies behind a while ago. Uh, the, the drunkenness, perhaps, maybe that's a bit more of a challenge for us. Sexual immorality and purity. But then it gets to the end of the list, and well, there's no escape, really. Dissension, I mean, having disagreements. How often does that happen even in the body of Christ? Jealousy. I don't think, I don't think this list is exhaustive, right? It's not if, if you've got none of these, you're good. This is a representative list. These are the sorts of things that happen in the night. And of course, as we read in Ephesians 4, there's a whole lot of other things that belong to our old selves. The desires of the sinful nature. Throw them off. God did not save you for that. But do we like it sometimes? It scratches an itch that we have. It's really the thing that I want to pursue. I like it. Why would I throw it off? Well, you must do so because you've got to understand the times. Night is over. Day is coming. The Lord Jesus is returning. And so thirdly, put on 
the armour of light. It might be cold, by the way, the armour. I could imagine it well was. It might not be pleasant to pursue holiness. It might hurt and be uncomfortable and require discipline and hard work. And yet that is what we soldiers are called to. Let us put aside, he says in verse 12, the deeds of darkness, put on the armour of light, behave decently, and listen to this description of it in verse 14, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we are clothed in him already. Remember, it's the past, present, future, past. We are clothed in Jesus already. We are hidden in him such that when God looks at us, he sees the beauty of Jesus. But it is also a present thing as we continue to pursue that which in the future will be perfected. We pursue now to live like Jesus. Now, this sermon could very easily end as a go-and-do sermon. Here's a list of things to stop doing, throw off. Here's a list of things to do, put on. That wouldn't be a bad thing. We do need discipline. But rather than a go-and-do sermon, I want it to be a go-and-look sermon. Look at the Lord Jesus Christ. For it is only as we fix our eyes upon him and his return that we will pursue his kingdom. It is only as we have in mind and we understand the present times that we will truly put on Jesus Christ and clothe ourselves in him. Over the next four weeks, today and three more, we're doing Advent, which is a, is, is a strange thing in the lead up to Christmas because it's all about the second coming rather than the first coming. But we're going to be considering passages exactly like this one that lift our eyes to realise the Lord is returning. But what I want you to do this week is to spend time with Jesus. To spend time thinking about, dwelling upon Feeling the urgency of his return. Now, uh, for some of you, Joe, you're up the back. Uh, some of you are in the habit of daily Bible reading, and if that's not you, I hope that you will begin such a habit. And I've got a suggestion for you here: five Bible passages for this week. Now, if you are in the habit of daily Bible reading, don't replace them with these. Add these onto what you already do. If you're not in the habit, then start with these. There's, uh, there's some that are a bit longer than others, and I'll read them out for the sake of the recording. Right, Monday, Matthew 24. Tuesday, 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 to 5. Wednesday, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Thursday, Revelation chapters 21 and 22. That's the long one, but well worth it. And then Friday, 1 Thessalonians 4.13 to 5.11. And let the return of Jesus soak into you. Let it lift your eyes above the distractions and let it light the fire in you to know that the Lord of heaven and earth is returning with glory and with judgment. Wake up, Christian. Throw off what belongs to the night and clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus died and was raised to new life 
that the gospel is being preached to the nations and that Jesus will return. Teach us to believe it and to live it. Remove from us the distractions, the obstacles that remove the, that take away the urgency and put in us the fire of knowing that time is short, that Jesus is returning with glory and with judgment. We ask this in his name. Amen.